Welcome everyone, this is the 50th episode of the Brewdog News Podcast. Joining me today to help me with the task at hand is of course Tamsin. Tamsin, how are you? Good. Lockdown hell, but you know. Yeah, you're in You're in tier four. So. I'm in tier four. I know, but I think we all wait to go to tier three today. Anyway, less of that. I promised you something different on this podcast and I've been keeping this one quiet. Um, yeah, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Watt. There he is. James, um, we were just talking before we started recording. Um, yeah, not the quietest of time for the business and yourself <laughs> personally at the moment. <laughs> um, one of my first questions then was, where were we? We were six months ago uh, and um, it was maybe more than that now and you were sleeping in the office. Uh, it was a very emotional time. I remember people saying to me in my office, well, that's Brewdog screwed. Uh, and me getting really upset about it and going like, no, no, I've got friends who work there. I don't want the business to go because we had absolutely no idea. But obviously things have to some extent improved massively, surprisingly in many ways. Um, so I'll just kick it off then. How's the last six months been, eight months? And um, how are things looking just now? So last, well, this year has been insanely intense i mean tough for businesses tough for families tough for individuals tough for countries just tough all around and completely unprecedented and i think it took everyone by surprise when we kind of slid into the pandemic and lockdown and earlier this year and at that time i mean things did look decidedly in the balance for us we, we weren't just sitting in a big cash balance and um, our export business pretty much stopped all of our bars were closed um, which is a lot of overhead to carry. It was before the government announced any type of furlough scheme. So we thought we were going to have to cover that cost ourselves with a lot of our big customers saying they couldn't pay us. <laughs> like some of our biggest customers who owed us millions were saying, like, we just can't pay. So like, I honestly didn't know if we'd make it two and a half months from that point with how things looked. And um, the government support was, was very timely and that's helped us protect as many jobs as we can, which is really important. E-commerce has been fantastic, and thanks to all equity punks and anyone who's bought on our website, it really helps us keep the business going. Supermarket sales have been good, and our satellite businesses, Australia, and Germany, USA, have performed well too. And I think some of the things that we've done have really kind of caught people's imagination. So donating over 500,000 bottles of hand sanitizer was a very important thing for us to do as a company, but also a thing that I think people enjoyed seeing business as a force for good. Marnard Castle Eye Test was probably the most impactful beer that we ever made. Aldi IPA caused all types of waves for us. And of course, in the middle of a pandemic with our business on its knees, we decided to completely pivot and hit um, hit everyone with Dog Tomorrow. So a huge sustainability initiative. And a question I get asked so much as well, <laughs> with the business struggling that much, why did you do it then? And the answer was simply like, this cannot wait. This cannot wait until next year. This cannot wait until 2030. Like we felt passionate about doing it now, which is why we did it. So yeah, crazy, crazy year. Our team have pulled together and worked so hard. And at the moment, Touchwood looks like we're coming out of it almost okay, but who knows what the next few months can, can hold. Yeah, this uh, opening and closing and, you know, I mean, Wales bars were back open. Now they're going to be closed again this week. And here in Aberdeen, we don't know now if what's going to happen even today. It's, uh, I don't, people forget, it's not just a matter of the bars going, oh, well, we'll just have to amend our opening times and go back to do now. It's the whole supply chain. There's the whole, like, how many staff do you need? How much beer do you need to order? All those sort of things. I can't imagine dealing with all that. Three million people work in hospitality in the UK and two and a half million in the supply chain and support industries to hospitality. So it's just in, in this sector, the livelihoods of 
five million people are up in the air at the moment. David, I mean, David's been extremely vocal on Twitter, as he, you know, as he should be. David McDowell, um, the now now CEO, so COO and president, uh, David yeah. McDowell. Um, yeah, he's been very vocal about how he feels that um, the government are uh, playing games almost with the ho- entire hospitality industry, which is it's just so hard to see and 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 hear and oh. Anyway, the good news is things aren't looking too bad. Um, but there is another one just around the corner, of course. I always mention it whenever we chat, but Brexit is just around the corner. Um, I, I, I mean, in the light of everything that's happened this year, it almost feels like, is Brexit actually really going to be a significant problem anymore now? Um, answer, who the knows? <laughs> yeah, fair point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, Tamsin, go for it. You've got one here for James. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about something more positive. Um, collab Fest, Collab Fest, yeah. however we're pronouncing it, was a lot of fun this year. Um, but it seemed like a lot of effort. Um, <laughs> how how was that put together? So JB and the buyers team did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. So it looked like almost a thousand kegs were going to go to waste because when we planned Collab Fest, we didn't know that England was going to be in lockdown at the time. So we turned Tower Hill into essentially a cannon factory. Uh, we had so much of our London-based bar teams there. Uh, we were filling growlers, we were packaging it up. The operation was absolutely fantastic. And that enabled the beer not to go to waste, which would have been a disaster because it was fantastic beers and also beers that our bar teams were so proud to have collaborated on and allowed us to get beers to customers. And then we did, 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 uh, did it digitally. We had some fantastic tastings. Some of the beers were absolutely outstanding. And what I love about Collab Fest is just the kind of stylistic diversity between the different beers just covers such a huge spectrum and it's easy to get caught up in just enjoying IPAs because like stylistic IPAs are kind of all dominant at the moment. It's a bit. <laughs> that's a, that's a way I, yeah. of saying there's some wild beers going, the wild <laughs> I mean, IPAs. It was. If, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you could imagine a thing, it's probably a collab fest beer. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Um, so obviously, as you were saying earlier, coronavirus has dominated this year but I like to focus on your sustainability instead so you headlined the carbon negative you're on a massive kick to show everyone uh, what can be done as a business and you had Outcop uh, which was fantastic um, um, which you can still catch on YouTube if you wanted to watch it so you this is all catch Outcop on YouTube and if you if, if you haven't seen Outcop I would encourage people to go and watch it and if you're just going to watch one, watch Kevin Anderson, one hour mm. and 40 minutes in, Professor Kevin Anderson, articulate, pass, passionate, start to the point, such an mm. impactful 10 minutes. All the speakers were fantastic, but Kevin Anderson was, was off the charts. I would also add scary, like put down your tea and listen, sort of scary. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so how, this is obviously a big shift for the business in how you do everything. How's that all going? It's, it's going well and the things that we've announced are, are very much the kind of starting point of this journey for us. So by being carbon negative, we now take twice as much carbon out of the air as we emit. So anytime someone has an Elvis juice, a Hazy Jane, a Punk IPA, our planet gets less carbon. But that is only a small part of what we're doing. So 24 to zero is our very ambitious plan to take the emissions of our operations, mainly here in Ellen, completely down to zero. Direct wind power, anaerobic digester electric vehicle fleet, CO2 recovery, so huge investment behind the scenes there, and also big investment into sustainable products, which people can have in their hands. And I can share you a few sneak previews of 
Lots of cool stuff in my office. So, <laughs> firstly, um, this is one that I'm, I'm really excited about. So, um, the packaging is prototype at the moment, but this is Bad Beer Vodka. So, Bad Beer Vodka is a vodka made with beers that don't make the cut. So, perhaps it's a batch of Jackhammer that's not quite bitter enough. Perhaps it's a batch of Hazy Jane where the fermentation hasn't quite worked out. I mean, every year there's maybe 10 to 15 batches that just don't quite make the cut. And at the moment, we have to dump those batches. They're a fantastic base for making vodka. We've got a 20 meter high rectification column that creates such a pure spirit. So this is a vodka made from beer that would otherwise be wasted and it tastes fantastic. But over and above that, this vodka comes in this little tin container. So it's not in glass, it's lighter, it's better for the environment, but we're gonna encourage people to refill it. So we're gonna have the vodka on top in all of our bars. You buy this container once and we, cover the cost of that and then you just anytime you're in a doodog bar you can get it filled up so completely like a cycle like a closed loop system to completely minimize packaging waste so possibly one of the most sustainable drinks ever made and that it's zero waste packaging reusable packaging and made from something that would otherwise be discarded so very excited about that and then secondly we <laughs> are no excited you're making tamsin right now <laughs> i know i'm so happy <laughs> We are excited about the new Lost Lager. So the packaging looks a bit like this, um, Planet First Lager. So carbon negative, but also we are replacing some of the virgin malted barley in this beer with fresh surplus bread that would otherwise be wasted. So it's a project we've put together with our friends at Tesco. Um, two of the big sandwich suppliers at Tesco don't use the heels of the loaf. We get the heels. They replace some of the malted barley. It's a small percentage, but it adds up massively over a year. So it decreases our demand for land, for energy, for water, and also helps tackle food waste. And one third of all food is wasted. And food production is the biggest contributor to global warming at the moment. So excited about bad beer vodka, excited about new lost lager, and also very excited about buy one, get one free. So Buy One, Get One Free is a campaign that we're going to run across the entirety of our business for 2021. Anytime someone buys a four pack, a six pack or a 12 pack, all they have to do is scan a QR code that's going to be in the bottom and we will plant one extra free for that person for that purchase. And to combat the argument of where we're planting the trees anyway in the Redoodle Forest, this is with partners called the Eden Project, a charity based in California, and we're going to have a dedicated area in one of their forests. So it's addition to, in addition to all the trees that we're planting in the Redoodle Forest as well. So some big consumer facing initiatives to take our customers on the sustainability journey with us. You'll lost Lager, Bad Beer Vodka, and Buy One Get One Tree. Fantastic. To be honest, I'm going to have to watch that again because I stopped listening after uh, vodka on tap. That's all I heard. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna have to go back again. Um, you mentioned um, water, um, something very close to my heart. Yeah. Um, what steps are you taking to turn your brewery sites dry? So use the least amount of water possible. So this is a project that Mark and my co-founder is all over. So industry average for one litre of beer made is about 4.5 to 5 liters of water used, which 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 is very, very high. Very good is, is four. We are now down at 2.2. So we are twice as good as kind of best in class in our industry. And that is before we've put the anaerobic digester in place. The anaerobic digester is going to allow us to clean up wastewater and get us very, very close to kind of neutral 
one for one from a, a water perspective. So made huge strides there. Mm-hmm. And part of that was in place before our big sustainability push just out of necessity because we've reached the limits of how much water we can get here in Helen. But yeah. I remember one day I went to the kitchen um, just in the, in the office here. I was like, why is there no water coming out of the tap? We used it all. So um, yeah, we are now 2.2 and we're working to get close to one, which is significantly better than industry in like best in class yeah. in industry. Fantastic. On a more uh, kind of local level at the bars, do you have any plans to put sustainability measures in the bars that customers can actually see and kind of interact with? Great question. So um, we are doing a few things. Firstly, we're going to put a tree on their dashboards beside Punk IP and Lost Lager so someone can can buy a tree. Secondly, all the furniture that we get from now on is going to come from the Dewdog Forest. So the bit of land that we're buying has actually got a few hundred acres that's planted anyway. So those are trees that are ready to be harvested. We'll keep the carbon sequestered in those trees. We'll replant that area. So we're going to show our own furniture comes from the forest. And we're also going to introduce, hopefully, kind of live webcam feeds of the forest and all of our bars as well to kind of connect people with what we're doing in the forest. And we want something in the beer menu and something in the food menu that's, that's kind of foraged from the, the forest as well. So we're Aww. working on those two things as well. Oh, fantastic. That sounds brilliant. Right, one more, because I could ask you questions all day. And I promise you I wouldn't. So so one more, one more. Um, You've got a massive uh, engaged audience of EFPs. How are you going to encourage them to reduce their environmental uh, impact? That is a fantastic question. So we're styling a new app at the moment called Pawprint, developed by a Scottish entrepreneur who's a good friend of mine, which is backed and supported by Mike Berners-Lee. And the plan is that once we've tested it with our team, it's just a brand new piece of technology, we're going to offer that as a significant discount to our equity punk community. So oh. it allows people to calculate their carbon footprint. It gamifies it. It puts challenges in place. You can have league tables mm-hmm. with your friends. So all of our staff have it at the moment, and we want to roll it out to our equity punk community. Hey, folks, Rob here, just quickly cutting in. At this point, James tells us how we can get access to the app. Uh, thing is, he wasn't supposed to. It's not quite ready yet. Sorry about that. The other thing that we're doing as well is we're developing a loyalty scheme, which should launch soon, called Planet Redudog. And Planet Redudog is getting to let our customers know how much carbon they've taken out of the air just by drinking our beer. So obviously, it's not going to come close to their entire footprint. But for every beer you drink, you're taking carbon out of the air. So this is going to track and let you see what you've done. And it's also going to track how many trees you've helped plant with the buy one, get one free offer as well. Brilliant. Fantastic stuff. Um, Mentioned the FP community there, James. Uh, I've got a couple of questions here from Doug of this podcast fame. And you know Doug, uh, obviously. Um, American Doug. American Doug, <laughs> or American correspondent Doug. Um, I wonder if he's still <laughs> still recovering from Thanksgiving beers. <laughs> I would have thought, yes, I know for a fact he definitely is. Um, yeah, he was asking, um, the FP community, obviously this is the, the last uh, raise, um, you've said you've said before, um, you know, looking towards an IPO. Um, how would you have you any thoughts on how you're going to continue to grow the EFP community um, out with if there's not a raise going on? Yes. Excellent. Okay, and <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. And also, his other. So, so it's um, it, it's not our equity punk community as such, but we've got big plans and an alternate way to kind of use community to help grow our business and link that to sustainability as well. So. I can't disclose the details at the moment, but it's one of the most exciting things I think we've mm-hmm. ever done as a business. And it just, like, 
the sustainability thing only works if we take our community with us and then use our community to amplify yeah. it and grow that. So it ties community and sustainability together. So top secret, but announced hopefully in January and very, very exciting. See, see, whenever you say that phrase, this is one of the most exciting things we've ever done as a company. <laughs> I always go, okay, I've got work to do now. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said that before, have I? Uh, a couple of times maybe in the past. And they have been though, to be fair. Yeah. Okay, um, so this this one, in this one, it like it, it genuinely it's like no hyperbole or kind of no marketing spin like what we're going to announce in january when it comes to community sustainability like it's it's off the charts cool um yeah i was happy with the trees but this is this is even better <laughs> i want to tell you guys just now but i, I can't tell you quite okay. yet that's okay. fine um you recently appointed a, a new cfo uh, neil mccallum uh he there's been quite a few director level changes over the last few years um, which isn't unusual for a company that's well, now in its teenage yeah. years. Um, I just wondered, are you quite happy now with where you're at with the board and the skill set for the direction of the business now? The, the team now is as good as it ever has been. And we learned so much from a period, I would say about 24 to 18 months ago, where we made some hiring mistakes. We used a very fancy, expensive recruitment company who finds us very fancy, expensive people with blue chip backgrounds to work great business people individually but just taking them all in together and they just didn't quite get what we did so um i kind of discussed that in, in depth in my 10 biggest mistakes i've made as, as blue dog ceo article and i mistakenly believe the only way to get the company to the next level was to hire some some people with big experience and it was a complete mistake we need to back the people who believe what we believe who are passionate about what we're passionate about who know how this company works so we introduced the salary cap we started promoting far more from within our company. And when we do hire externally now, we have got a ban on using recruitment agencies or recruitment consultants because we want to do that work ourselves. And we do far more work and diligence before we get to that point. So Neil McCallum, our new CFO, I interviewed him four or five times. So to David, he was here three or four times, whereas in the past it would be two interviews and then, and then hired. So far more diligence around the process, salary caps in place, and working with a kind of tighter faster, leaner team who are all completely aligned with what we're trying to do as a business. So the team at the moment is, is fantastic. And I think there's a lot of stars in your team that are maybe not out there in the in the limelight. Jason Block, our new CEO in the USA, absolutely fantastic. Sarah Warman, who's been with us for a long time and now taking on Hawks, so a great promotion for her. Lauren Carroll, who works here. And Ellen has recently been promoted to be a director of the company. She's been absolutely phenomenal. She did much of the sanitizer work she's also doing all the b Corp work hopefully announced in a few weeks she also helped me in so many elements of the sustainability project dan bolton uk sales director outstanding so we've got some like real stars that are not quite maybe as visible as myself david or martin within the business as well yeah cool. talking of issues i've got to ask uh because i've got skin in the game what is happening with brew dog millionaire <laughs> <laughs> so brew dog millionaire the next time, so it needs the theatre of a live AGM. So as soon as we do a live AGM in the UK, we're getting dot live on stage. Evie, my six-year-old, has volunteered to take the ticket out of the out of the heart or whatever. And she says, like, it's totally fine if I win it. It'll just be by chance. So I was like, maybe not quite so fine. But, yeah. <laughs> but we're going to do, do it live on stage at the next AGM, hopefully sometime in 2021. But who knows? Um, James, you, you mentioned Sarah there, of course, um, and we've spoken about she's she's taking over um, the reins at Hawks with Simon um, yeah. being away now. 
Um, but, uh, you know, and I hate to bring this up, but there were some pretty damning comments made on the forum earlier this week by a former staff member who is calling out some of the practices um, that of, of the process of making the, the hawk cider at the brewery there, which I know was only a temporary measure. Um, and he, you know, was quite clear that he felt that this was the kind of um, brewing process that uh, he felt that Brewdog's always been very much against with the macro brewers. Can you give us a bit more on that? Uh, I know you've spoke extensively on the forum. Yeah, but yeah. Quite a few I, people I can, I can speak about that 100%. So, I mean, he's entitled to his opinion. I don't quite agree with what, what you said. So when we acquired Hawks, we acquired far from a perfect production scenario. So all of the packaging was outsourced with practices that we weren't happy with. And a large amount of the production was outsourced as well. Again, with some practices that we weren't happy with. So we decided as an interim measure, we had to make the cider in Ellen so we could do it ourselves, so we can control the process. And initially we wanted to press apples in Ellen and have the juice in Ellen. After a long feasibility study, we just felt it wasn't clean enough and safe enough to have that in the brewery for potential contamination, while yeast, a lot of the same risks that Overworks would have, which is why Overworks is in a separate facility. So we did the best we could as an interim measure in Ellen, whilst we worked in a way to get it back down to London. It's been back down in London, 100% juice, 100% apples from um, June or July this year. So, I mean, this was fixed a long time before we even discussed it. It was a stopgap. It was the best we could do in the stopgap. We was coming from a compromised situation. We had to compromise to protect the quality of beer and we worked as quickly as we could to get to a far better long-term solution, which is a better solution than Hawks had before we bought the company as well. Cool. Um, I'm just conscious on time, James, so I'm just going to skip over a couple of the questions here. Uh, I was going to moan at you about the website, uh, as is, as I always do on the uh, on the forum, but I know I know Tom's leading on that. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, but one question I did want to ask you about the website, uh, and this is one I've seen raised a lot. This has been mentioned to me personally by people who've kind of lo- lost a little bit of faith in Brewdog. The decision to reduce the EFP discount. Um, yes. Obviously. You've, you said before, you said back in uh, when you were on the podcast last time, the reason behind that, a lot of it to do with, you know, coronavirus and trying to keep the business afloat and all the rest of it. But it's definitely a sticking point now. Would you would you kind of agree with that? No, I would I would completely disagree with that. And here is here is why. So we reduced all of our prices. So we reduced the EFP discount, but we significantly reduced our prices. So what an equity punk is paying now, in some cases, is less than what an equity punk was paying before. And I don't think in any of the cases it's more than what an equity punk was paying for. So what an equity punk is paying is the same or is less than it was before. But the main reason we did this is because equity punks had such a high discount to even come close to being commercially viable. And we didn't get close to being commercially viable. The beers had to be so expensive on the website, which means that 85% of our customers on the website were equity punks because we couldn't carry that level of discount and we were still making that loss and be competitive. So by reducing the equity punk discounts and equity punks paying the same or less than they would before, so there's no downside to equity punks, we've been able to be far more competitive price-wise with the supermarkets, which means, so for the last four weeks, our online shop has been 1,400% more revenue through than the equivalent four weeks of last year. So an increase of 14 times in terms of revenue, and we're now 90% non-equity punk so if i've got an equity punk hat on which is this an equity punk hat who knows so if i'm an equity punk hat you've got to consider two things you've got to think about the discount for yourself but also the performance of the company in which you own shares so with the changes we've made to the discount 
the price that you pay is the same, but the company you own shares in is doing 14 times more sales because we've been able to fix an issue that was an obstacle to us making those sales in the first place. So I, for me, it's a win-win for equity funds because they're paying the same, but the business they've invested in is now significantly more valuable because we've taken away an obstacle that allowed us that meant we couldn't compete with the supermarkets. And say we were considering IPO. So a sale that we make on our website is more valuable than a sale at a supermarket when somebody's looking to value a company in IPO because we capture more of the margin. We've got the direct relationship with the customer. So we're introducing 14 times more sales, but potentially more than that when it comes to IPO value because of how direct consumer businesses are valued by the stock market at the moment. So I realized it was contentious. It was not a decision we took lightly, lightly, but I think for those reasons, it was the right decision for us and the right decision for our equity funds. Yeah, I mean, I, I spend way too much time on the forum, um, you know, and, and it gives me a sense of generally the sort of feel of what's going on. And there's always, you know, changing moods and some very vocal people can be making a bigger issue out of something than perhaps it needs to be. But I do feel that uh, in the last 18 months and not just coronavirus, the sort of that special feeling that the the EFPs had um, and going back to something you've said so many times that they're the heart and soul of the business. It yeah. does feel that that's drifted away recently. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that some of the things that you're looking at going forward are, are hopefully going to sort of bring that feeling back. Um, I will say, James, that, you know, it, it's definitely tainted by the fact that we can't get out to the bars and we can't get to the events and we can't, you know, enjoy some of that wonderful sense of community that we get from physically drinking beer with the people mm. as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think that that um, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot here, but that does make a you know the really good point that 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 change in discount makes complete commercial sense and everything you've said makes sense there but it does take away something that people felt was was important to them um yeah anyway i can understand i can completely understand that perspective and all we can do is be as open as we can explain the rationale for what we've done and then hopefully when we're given the opportunity to explain the rationale then people understand that and the forum is very very important to us because the forum is I think are most engaged equity punk members and what I love about equity punks, biggest fans, but harshest critics. But I mean, that criticism helps us get better as a company and we welcome it. And like people criticize us because they care. If they didn't care, they wouldn't be on there and they wouldn't criticize it. So um, like, I love like engaging with people in the forum and discussing things in the forum. And that's really important. One thing to bear in mind with that as well, that we've now got 180,000 equity punks. Yeah only about 350 of them use the forum. So it's it's a, it's a very small pocket of a very big community. Now it's the most vocal, most passionate, most engaged, and perhaps most important pocket of our equity punk community. But equity punks has become something far bigger than the, the forum as well. Uh, Tamsin, you've got our last one. I'm saying that James get away. Um, so lockdown beers, you brought them in. Are any of them, well, first question was, did you send any uh, Bernard Castle eye tests to Dominic Cummings and are any of them going to become permanent fixtures? Um, great question. So we did try and send some Bernard Castle eye tests to Dominic Cummings. We got in our desk for him. We sent a box there. Who knows if we got there? Um, so Keir Starmer visited us in Tower Hill and had his photo taken with some Bernard Castle eye tests. And um, people love lockdown. It's just such a, like shower beers are so cool. It's such a great shower beer and double or nothing. I thought was a, a phenomenal concept and just a really cool beer as well. So um, we're about to start thinking about doing a range 
And for us, the range kind of starts in April because that's when our big customers reset their ranges. So when we're thinking about the beer range for 2021, it's probably kind of April to, to April 2022. But we're about to kind of post in the forum and kind of ask equity punks and ask them the social channels as well. What beers did you enjoy this year? What would you like to see more of? What would you like to see less of? So our equity punks can help us build the, the lineup for next year. Cool. Um, right, that's us. Uh, we're in the middle of making some changes to this podcast right now after the 50th episode. You're going to find out there's going to be a load more interesting ways to hear from us. Uh, I'll talk about that on the next episode. We're going to have um, email lists and all sorts of things. Uh, if you're a Patreon supporter, which is the only way that this podcast is possible, you are, will be automatically entered into the draw to win this. This is Craft Beer for the Geeks, uh, the latest book written by Richard with James and Martin, and it's absolutely excellent. We've we've raved about the last one as well and i'm halfway through reading this one too um so yeah keep your eye out at patreons for that um and in the meantime it's just to say um thank you very much james massively appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us today getting half an hour with you is um a real bonus so thank you so much and thanks for doing what you guys do love love the love the show and thanks equity punks thanks customers um stay safe and find some good beer enjoy see you guys soon take care bye for now everyone bye 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 bye